afraid. But I will declare forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous will be exalted. So, Father, we thank you that we have favor this morning because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, because he paid the price for our sin that we could know you. So, Father, we come to you this morning in boldness into your throne of grace at a time of need. And we pray for those, Lord, that need a touch, spirit, soul, and body. Father, we thank you for those that you've put on our hearts, those that are listed in the back of the bulletin that need a touch from you, and those in our families that we know, Lord, need you. They need your presence and your power and the, the peace that comes from your being with us. So, Father, now in the name of Jesus, we just release that peace to all those. We release healing and deliverance and salvation, for we come in the name of the Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, you know, Barry's not here, and, and they asked me to fill in to help. And this is something I love to do, is to play music and to worship God. This morning when I woke up and, and I got my phone up and looked at my Bible out, the scripture to come up for the verse of the day is from Psalms 102. It says, serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. And as we begin to sing and worship him and, and just invite his presence here among us. This first song we're going to sing about the old rugged cross. That's what it's all about. Everything we believe, everything that we own is what Jesus did in his blood that he shed on that old rugged cross. <clears throat> Yeah. 
Peace. 
going to sing one more little chorus here that simply says, Hallelujah. The word hallelujah or hallelujah is the same word in every language of the world. And it simply means to adore and worship God Almighty. And as we sing that, just sing it straight from your heart to God that you're worshiping and praising Him.
Whether you love the Lord this morning, be so peaceful in his presence. We're going to ask the ushers if they'll come at this time. Father, we just thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for all the blessings, for it is you that meet every need that we have for life and for holiness. So, Father, now we ask you to bless this offering, the tithes that we give unto you, to acknowledge that you are the source of every good thing. And, Father, we give you praise and ask that you would bless it and multiply it for your purpose and for your kingdom. For let your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Father, we ask you to bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. the aerobic part of our performance today and uh, I didn't see a whole lot of people moving around so next time that happens you got to get up and move around and, you know even shout or something exciting so at this time we're going to let our children go to children's church wish you could have seen the little one in the very back. He was waving his offering to the Lord. He didn't want to be missed. If we could get some of that enthusiasm, that would be good for all of us. So praise God as our children go. We just thank God for them. This time our pastor's going to come and share the word with us. know that everything that we do, what we strive for, what we're after, what we're trying to accomplish has to do with all of us doing our part, right? I mean, we all want to find our place that we can do something for God, and we all know God's got something for us to do, amen? Um, say this with me, okay? I'm going to say it, and you say it. I can do that. So that's the mindset and the personality we want to develop, okay? Uh, that's, it, we talk about culture and stuff like that. There's a, there's a, there's a culture we're trying to create, and it's, per, it's a culture of servanthood because it's the culture, of, it's, the, it's the example of Jesus. Uh, this isn't my message. This is just something as I was sitting there, I felt like the Lord dropped in my heart because it sort of has, it also, it sort of ties in with what's coming. Uh, we got a couple things coming. I'm going to take a minute to talk to you about it. The first one is, um, I'm going to talk about the event that's coming on August the 8th. We've got our back to school bash. Word's getting out. There's a lot of excitement. It seems like people are expecting stuff, uh, starting to pass the word. 
Uh, this week, we'll put uh, our flyers out in all the businesses from the interstate to the red light. Everything through there is going to get flyers where people can pick them up, take them, see it. We've had a few churches to respond that we've talked with that said, hey, yeah, we'll announce that. Uh, so we're excited about some buildup that's happening. We're excited about um, what seems to be an expectation. We're believing that, um, well, first of all, we have no clue how many people are going to show up. There's no way, no way to know that. There's no way to know that. Uh, it, it is, it is, uh, it's outdoors, so we think that it will be very, um, a very positive opportunity for the community under the circumstances of our nation with COVID and all that stuff. So, uh, we, 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 but, but at the same time, we have no way to know. So uh, we're preparing. We've set up. I'm going to give you some details real quick. We've got everything from kids' activities to uh, stuff that we can enjoy and do uh, to um, uh, Steel City Pops is coming, Candy Shaved Ice is coming. Uh, we've got, so we've got uh, Coca-Cola's uh, coming. And we've got all kinds of stuff that's going to be there. They'll be free to everybody that comes. We're going to do giveaways every 30 minutes. The giveaways will be in, uh, targeted towards uh, families to help them with uh, cost for school starting back. So it'll be cards, gift card type stuff that we'll give away each, each every 30 minutes. Um, and uh, so I say all that to say um, the thing that we need and that we as a church are providing is, is not just an event, but us. We're providing ourselves, okay? Everybody that volunteers and works that day will get a T-shirt. It'll say Evangel on it. Under it, it'll say Our Mission, Loving People. So that's our whole theme. That's going to be the backdrop on the stage. Everything that we do is about loving folks that day. We call it a very direct touch with a very soft feel, okay? So we're touching our community with an event, but we're not getting up and preaching the gospel at it. We are presenting ourselves and our ministries to them, but we're, we're after a very direct touch with a soft feel, with them seeing and understanding who we are. I say all that to say, hey, we're going to need volunteers. Let's try this again. Say it with me. I can do that. There we go. See, I set you all up. That was coming the whole time, wasn't it? Uh, so we need as many volunteers as we can get. We'll talk more about that next Sunday. Uh, and then uh, and next Sunday we'll, we'll have some sign-ups and all, and then that will give us a better picture of who, what we've got, manpower. Uh, but it'll be like volunteers in 30-minute windows to help see over the jump houses, to help see over... Uh, the, the, the games that are going on to help serve in some of the booths that serving drinks and doing different stuff like that. So we'll, we'll give you the details of that. We'll have more information on it. But I'm excited about this first real big outreach we're doing as Evangel, okay? Because this, this is about, this is really bigger than Evangel. It's about Mount Olive. It's about us presenting our lives and our ministry to a community, okay? And so very excited that you're involved in that, going to be involved in that. There's one other event I'll mention that's coming, and that is our first special call business meeting since I've been here. We'll have that next Sunday evening. Uh, we welcome members, non-members, guests, anyone who comes. We'll have a set of worship in the beginning. I'll share a little devotion, then we're going to do business. We'll call the business meeting order. Everybody that's a member will get to vote on some stuff that day. Uh, uh, that evening, and so we would love to encourage you to be there. It has to do with our facilities. It just has to do with stuff that we see that we have an opportunity in, and we want to share with you that 
um, we, we need you to share with us better the, the better language there. We need you to join us in making decisions on what we're going to do over the next uh, few months and the next year uh, with some stuff that we see an opportunity. The board itself uh, joins me in inviting you and encouraging you to be a part of that, okay? Uh, so that's next Sunday evening, and uh, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a great time for us. Um, I do want to mention, and we're going to have a word of prayer right quick before I start the message. Miss Mary, I think, fell, and so we want to pray for her and just for Brother Jerry and for them right now. Father, we just come to you, God. We just intervene right now in the name of Jesus and ask you to, uh, through our intercessory prayer and through our pressing in and pushing hard like we've been doing, God, to touch the Langfords, to touch Mary and to touch Jerry, God, and to minister to Miss Mary and strengthen her and heal her, we pray it in Christ's name. You're a healing God. You're a powerful healing God, and we stand on your promises that the stripes that were born for that were for moments like this, so we believe you for that healing touch to minister to her in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. 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 So, okay, I get to preach now. Uh, we are excited. The screens are going to be awesome once we figure out how to make them reconnect and do what they're supposed to do. But imagine, imagine having the responsibility to come up and lead for the second time ever at the church and nothing working when you showed up. That's sort of where Wayne was. Wayne, give Wayne a hand clap for what he's done this morning. <laughs> nothing worked. The power did come on. In the building, but that's about it. No, no. So uh, I appreciate him. He didn't quit on me. He didn't go get in his truck and drive off. I don't act like I hadn't seen that before. But uh, <laughs> so I appreciate him and all that he did for us today and his willingness to press through. And so they're going to be awesome. There's such higher quality comes through the newer computer. It's like there was a bottleneck of data. And so they, they look all I, I, Even the mountain looks better, doesn't it? <laughs> so anyway. Um, uh, so we're excited about that. I hope the live stream is doing well. I hope the volume is doing great. I think everybody's already seen that there's a little bit of an improvement with that. Uh, and so we're excited over the next steps as they all get in place. And so we're actually online is getting a better production than y'all are today, believe that or not. Uh, um, so that's awesome. I'm going to talk to you about finding our place in his presence this morning. Um, when I say finding our place in our presence, for the last few weeks, we've talked about worship, we've talked about praise, we've talked about what our responsibilities are. Last Sunday night, man, we had an awesome service of praise and worship, and, and we even, I told everybody, I said, we need the roar to return to our congregation. We need praise to come back. We need to get back to where that we aren't, uh, we, we aren't um, uh, quiet. We aren't uh, subdued by the moment that we have a roar within us. We have a sound within us, and it's the sound of God. It's the worship and the praise that he's put, put in for what he's done, for what he's doing, okay, uh, for what he's going to do. Just the expectation of who he is and what, he's, what, he, what he wants to do in our lives should raise a level of sound and worship and praise in us. Uh, but to do all that, i got to sort of get us I got, to, I got to sort of pull us back to a point this morning. The word that I'm going to talk about is the word vulnerable. Okay, and the word vulnerable means able to be wounded. So when you're vulnerable, it means that you are able to be wounded, which is why the word vulnerable so aptly describes Christ, because he was able to be wounded. And it also 
It also is why it's so hard for us to follow Christ. Because we have to be able to be wounded. We have to be vulnerable. Uh, it's a challenge. We hear, we hear words. We think about so So you guys know by this time in the, as a matter of fact, um, yeah, last, the last Sunday of July. Is that right, Roy? The last Sunday of July last year was the first time I preached here. So it's been a year, and I'm thankful for that year, even though that was a guest invitation and Roy didn't invite me back that night. Um, but he did the, the, for the next month, and I brought Debbie, and that sort of took care of it, and, and he'll tell you that. Uh, but uh, no, so uh, very thankful for the opportunity to get to know you guys and how the Lord's worked in this journey, amen, brought us to this point. Um, but w w you know by now, I, I'm sort of, I'm sort of a, a, a very realist when it comes to life. Uh, I think we can hear and we can listen and we can receive a lot of information out there and a lot of it has to do with anointing and power and it has to do with who God is and how he wants to use us and the authority he's given us and I mean, we could just name and talk and speak all those things that are going on. And we hear these words like anointing and power. And immediately we think about those and think how awesome it'd be to experience those in our lives and to walk in an anointing and to have the authority and the power that we saw that you walked in. But, but let's, let's put this butt in here. What, what we miss is that from the beginning, Christ's anointing and his power were coupled by his vulnerability. So if you're a plumber, if you've done any plumbing, you know they got this new stuff called Plex. And then Plex, you can join two pipe, piece of pipe together with what they call a shark bite. So they've got this stuff that you slide, and man, it seals, it's amazing. Um, you, you can't join anointing and power without the shark bite of vulnerability. You can't unite the flow of his anointing with the power of God in your life until you're willing to be vulnerable, until you're willing to allow God to do in you what he wants to do in his presence. What makes us what makes God's anointing powerful possible is that willingness to be uh, vulnerable. I'm going to give you a verse. It's John 1.29. It won't come up on the screen right now. Okay, John 1.29. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who was that? That was John the Baptist. He was baptizing, and he was baptizing. He's doing what he'd been called to do, prepare the way of the Lord, and he'd been preaching and declaring it, Ted. And then all of a sudden he looks up and then comes, up walks this one, the one the scripture calls him. And when he sees him and he recognizes him in his spirit, he recognizes and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, in another case, agonizing in the Garden of Gethsemane as he faced the cross, is there and he's praying, but look... Uh, Look what he does there. What, what I want you to see is what he does in that moment. He asks for the prayerful support of his close friends. And, and, and I mention that because he called them to pray. He called them into that garden. He called them a little closer in to pray, a few of them. And in that moment, what that tells me is, is that he let himself need others. You see, because vulnerability has, about, has to do with us needing 
help. It has to do with us being willing to take and open ourselves up, open our situation up, open our need up to someone else who would help us. And even though those guys failed miserably, he opened himself up. He was vulnerable. So let's talk about being vulnerable for a minute. I'm going to talk first to the believers, okay? So I'm going to talk to you as a believer in Christ, a follower of Jesus. Um, you find, to, to, I guess the way to say it, to find, to find our place in his presence as a follower, we gotta, we got to do something very important, I think, and that is we've got to guard against Jesus becoming ordinary in our life. Okay, we got to guard against Jesus becoming ordinary in our lives. Because over time, if we look at the scriptures and we've read the scriptures and you've heard it for a long time, you've been in church for a, for a good time, over time, whether it's washing the disciples' feet or weeping at Lazarus' grave, tomb, or, 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 or enjoying the, 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 the friendship that he had with the disciples, the things that made Jesus who he was, over time, time can rob us of the extraordinary. Time can steal from us the extraordinary. It, it can cause us to lose sight of the moments that defined Jesus, that, that made Jesus who he was, that, that made him the one, that, that separated him. But there's nothing ordinary about Jesus. I'm going to give you a few verses and a few thoughts, not verses, but thoughts. Isaiah, I'm going to pull from his, his writing. He says he's the one who leads the stars out at night and arranges them in the sky like, like a teacher with its pupils going out for recess. That's how he defined it. Uh, Nahum said he's the one who breaks the rocks up into small pieces with his anger. The New Testament says he's the one who chose to live among us as a man despised and forsaken, vulnerable, from whom we would, he, we would willingly hide our faces from. Luke 9.22 says the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. So to to understand Jesus, we have to understand the whole of him. We see the anointing, we see the power, but we have to understand the vulnerable side, that part of him that made him able and willing to suffer. He'll be rejected by the elders, the lead priests, and the teachers of religious law. He'll be killed, but on the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. Christ had to experience rejection in order, to, in order for redemption to be made complete. He had to experience rejection. He had to get the whole of who we were. He had to sort of put us on. The scripture says he put on flesh. He had to put us on. He had to walk where we walked. We know he knows the very worst of it. We see it. We read it in scripture. We, we see the historical accounts of it. We know he knows our pain because he suffered. He, he struggled. Philippians 3 verses 10 and 11. Paul said, I know. I want to know Christ and Experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one day or another, uh, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Jesus laid down his life, and here's the key: it was on his own initiative. He, I mean, he did it. He chose to die. The miracle of Jesus's vulnerability is that he chose to be vulnerable. He chose it. 
We want an anointing. We want power. But are we willing to choose being vulnerable to see that experience, to experience it? Are we willing to choose pain, to choose suffering, to experience it? At every juncture, he had a very real choice. He could have chose an easier path, an option less painful, but he didn't. He chose, I mean, this is the this is the son of the living God. He chose powerlessness. He chose submission, not my will, but yours be done, right? I say all that because that's where we really and truly, if we're, if I can tell you something about yourself this morning, because I know it to be mine and I know it to be the case of all those people who I've encountered who follow Jesus. This is the falling in love point. This is the falling in love. This is the point of covenant in the relationship. This is where we say, you know what, Lord, whatever you want, I can do it. I can do that. I, I'm willing. I, it, and, and if we resist that, not that it's unusual for me even to resist. As many years I've been serving, I'm just saying if we, if we walk away, it's a sign that we still have something in us that's holding back and not willing to yield, to be vulnerable. We have to understand this. This is, the, this is the falling in love point, and it's the staying in love point. It's the place where we fall in love with him and we stay in love with him. When we're willing to take our will and lay it aside and take up his will. When we become vulnerable to the point that it's not about us, it's all about him, and whatever we have to do to get him across, we'll go through that. <laughs> um. It's where we say to those who abuse us, misuse us, mistreat us, mislead us, it's for Christ's sake that I choose to love you. It's not for my sake. It's for Jesus' sake. It's for him. Uh, to those who are not following, and I say that to all the followers, if you're not following, if you haven't made a decision to put Christ first, or you're far from him this morning, you've followed in the past and you've gone your way and you haven't, been searching for him or seeking him, and you're in a point right now to where the, the voice of the Lord is speaking to you, I'm, I'm going to share something with you. I say that to everyone online, too, anyone listening, anyone that's a part. Um, I think you find yourself in places where you're not sure how to find your place in his presence. I believe we find ourselves at times not sure how to find our place in his presence, not sure how to get back, how to get to him. Um, there's a movie. I'm a movie guy. I know I like movies. And so there was a movie called First Night. Sean Connery played in it. Uh, he was the king, and um, some weird-looking guy played Lancelot. I don't remember his name. Uh, maybe Richard Greer. Anyway, um, So, on the first encounter of Lancelot, Lancelot with King Arthur, on the first encounter in the movie, Lancelot realized the, the authority and the power, the, the position that he saw it, even though he didn't been told it, he saw it, he recognized there's something different about him, and he saw it, and so he goes immediately, and he bows down, and he goes down on one knee in his presence and bends his head over 
which is a work, a position of submission in that day and time. It was a position where there was a, a surrendering of, of who they were to the one that was before them. And, and in that movie, if you have watched it, there's many times I have. Anyway, um, you know that, that Sean didn't stand, didn't stay in his, King Arthur didn't stay in his position that he could have stayed in. He stepped into the place of a relationship. He stepped out of the position into relationship, and he takes him by the shoulders, and he raises him up, and he brings him up to where he can look, to, look him face to face. I say all that because I want you to hear something. You, you won't look the king face to face until you've bowed your knee and had him lift you up. You understand? We're talking vulnerability. We're talking about the place we have to get to. This is the first place vulnerability is seen in our lives. You, you may be thinking, well, well, what hope is there for me? I mean, I'm so far from God. I've done so many crazy stuff. I've been proud, arrogant, self-centered. I wrote all these things just about me. I don't know about y'all. In, in, in your pursuit of life, you've done stuff, things that you're not proud of. You name it, you've done it. What? What do I do? What do you do when you're in that spot? I'm going to give you a few things right quick. First, don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't turn your back away from the one who's able to lift you up and get you to the place you can see him face to face. There's so many examples in the scripture of people who turn to God after living life totally in opposition to God. In 1 Kings 21, it talks about Ahab repenting. And it says, another message from the Lord came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has done this, I will not do what I promised during his lifetime. I mean, God sees us. He knows the truth within us. He knows whether we are, are vulnerable or not. King Joash heard the book of the law for the first time. It says he tore his robes in anguish over the sin of the forefathers. And it goes on and tells us in 2 Kings 22, you were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord. This is the Lord's response. When you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land will be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send a promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this city. Does that mean God removed it? No, it just means because of this man's heart, it changed the course of a city, a course of a nation for a moment, for a time. And it even changed for jo uh, Joash, uh, uh, Josiah. Acts tells us and gives us a picture. I, I, let, me go, let, me, let me not skip Manasseh, 2 Chronicles 33, Manasseh was the one who threw infants on a, on, a, on a grill, basically. I mean, let's just call it what it is. There was a sacrificial grill, and they had burned the infants on it, trying to appease the pagan gods that they were serving and worshiping. He was captured by the Assyrians. He was bound in bronze shackles. He had, he, he had a hook put in his nose that they led him with and took him back to Babylon with that hook in his nose. The scripture says, though, in 30, chapter 33, but while in deep distress, <laughs> this is crazy, 
Manasseh sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. Acts 16 tells us where, of the story of where Paul and Silas were in the jail at midnight. And they decided they'd sing some praise. Y'all remember that just a week ago. They decided they'd sing some praise. And so, you know, they're sitting in this nasty jail cell. <coughs> I mean, they didn't have nice little toilets, guys. It's a nasty jail cell. And they're in here and they're, they're, they're sitting there and they're wondering what's going to happen. But rather than wondering what's going to happen, they thought about what could be, what would be, who God is. And so what happened to him? Just like all of us, if we know him and if we're in relationship with him, we know, look, this isn't the end. This is just a moment. So why don't we praise him for what's coming? So they began to sing praise and give worship and exalt him. Next thing you know, an earthquake happens. All the jail cells are flown open. All the doors are flown up. Not a, not a prisoner in the place gets up and runs out or attacks the jailer. And the jailer who had been asleep wakes, sees what's happened, and his exact words were, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Listen, don't. Turn your back on Christ. Don't turn your back. I don't care where life finds you right now. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Second, the scripture is real clear. Salvation's for everyone. It's for everyone. Romans 10 says this, 6 through 9. Faith, faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is very, uh, uh, that mess, and, and that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everyone, it's for everyone. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. I don't care where you find yourself today. It's for everyone. Salvation's for everyone. Then, then the last thing that I notice about this, and I'm thinking about it, is it's every person's responsibility to find your place in his presence. Look, I can't do it for you. My, my children can't get to heaven on me. I can only present them the hope of Christ. Your children won't go to heaven because you're going to heaven. They're going to go to heaven because you stood for something and you represented something and they had a choice to come to believe or not believe and they chose to believe. Find your place in his presence. Romans 10 goes on and says in 10 and 11, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. So who here would raise your hand and say, I think that the cross may be the most attractive thing I've ever seen. It is to us as believers. But I'm telling you, when we first see the cross, it's hard to bear. It's hard to understand. It's hard to take in. But what we have learned and what we do know 
And what you'll find from those who are followers of Jesus is it's the beginning point. It, it's the place we know, we know that our place in his presence begins at the cross. It begins at his feet. It begins in surrender. It begins by, by finding our place in his presence and becoming vulnerable before him. Real quick, I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts, and then we're going to have prayer. The thoughts are this. I believe there's a desire. I believe every one of us have a desire to, to be used by God. I believe every one of us have a desire to do something for God, to be used by him. Lord, what you want me to do? What you want me to do? I believe even the person who's far from God sees and recognizes there's something about God that makes him, uh, that, 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 that they're drawn to, something about him that, that they wrestle with or trying to understand. I, I mean, I believe that because I think we, the scripture's clear we were created in the image of God. So there's something that's a part of us that draws us to that. And that's why there's a longing deep within us to know God and have a relationship with him and be used by him, to do something for him. I also just want to do something for him. Yet we find ourselves hopeless and helpless, lost. We find ourselves in confusing times. I, I don't know if it's because we don't understand the grace of God. I don't know if it's uh, because we fail to recognize uh, how great his love is for us. I don't know all of why you find yourself or someone out there finds themselves in this place. I, I think I found myself in this place at one time. Uh, I still find myself struggling to figure out the things he wants to do with me, but it's still, I know I'm doing something, amen? I know you, you, you're doing something. I can do that. You're looking for ways to do that, ways to serve, ways to, <coughs> to practice um, the relationship that we've been given with him. Um, the question is, and the thing that comes to me is, why are the scriptures full of all these hopelessly lost people? I mean, you look at the scripture and you read much, and man, you just see person after person who just went through some rough stuff. I, I, I know that, I know that, again, I'm a realist, I know, a realist, I know that that's there. I know there's people who struggle, uh, but I think there's a reason for it. I'm going to give you what I think is the simplest reason ever. It's to show the actions of Jesus. I believe that all the struggles and the stories that we see is to show God's activity in humanity. Jesus' love for us. Um, words of mercy, acts of kindness, fing fingers on sightless eyes that he touched, a hand on a weary shoulder to lift up one who's lame, uh, words for sad hearts who's lost loved ones, all leading to the power and the anointing of God. <laughs> God's word tells a story after story of, of pain to peace experiences. And so, so I, 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 just, I just want to throw a couple of thoughts out at you right here. <clears throat> the Bible's full of before and after experiences. Romans 15, 4 makes this statement. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. Gosh, let me read that again. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement the script, uh, it, it, of the scriptures, we might have hope. Oh, let me read that one more time. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, teach us, teach us, so that 
through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Come on. Amen. I mean, you got hope this morning. We've got hope this morning because we can look back and see what the Lord has done. But it's not about what he's done. It's about what he's doing, what he wants to do in our lives. What we understand is this. We, we again, back to the ordinary, we get to where we read the scriptures like it's a fable or a story tale. Like it's a, um, a, 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 a fictional novel that's been written. And we read it, and we read about this person, that person, and we, 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 we wonder, wow, that's crazy that that happened with that person. But there's, every day there are life stories happening right now that will match those. They're just in a different culture, a different time, a different age, and God's doing all this same stuff. And we can't lose the reality of the extraordinary of what he does in us and through us. Because when we do, we lose the power and the anointing. We lose the reality of who Jesus is and what he wants to do through our lives. That's why we got to stay vulnerable. That's why we got to stay in the Word. That's why we got to continue to think about and let it teach us and instruct us. That's why through its teachings, there's endurance built up and encouragement comes to us. And we wake up every morning hopeful, not depressed, expectant, not, 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 not abandoned, not in, a, not in a position where we don't know. We're in a position where we do know. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who's got it. We're after the answers. Everybody's after the answer. Here's the answer. Everybody's after the answer to this question. Everybody wants the answer to this question. Where's God when I hurt? Where's God when I hurt? Naomi was after that answer. Zacchaeus was after that answer. David was after that answer. The woman caught in adultery was after that answer. Every one of these people was after that answer. And the answer is only found when we become vulnerable. The answer is only understood when we bow our knee to him. 1 Corinthians one twenty six says, look at what you were when God called look at Look at what you were when God called you. Philippians 1.6 says, God began doing a good work in you, and I'm sure he will continue Continue it until it is finished when Jesus Christ comes again. Matthew 12, 20, a great verse, a verse that I get. I, I, first time I ever read it, I thought about when I would go hunting and all the years I spent in the woods, and I grew up in the woods, y'all. I mean, I grew up in the woods. I would go in the woods behind our house when we lived in the city. We built a fort. We did horrible things to kids to, quote, initiate them into our group. There was this super, super, super nice kid that moved into our community. Super guy, young guy. He's, I mean, he was really cool, but he had this like almost platinum blonde hair. And we had a mulberry tree in the backyard. So we decided he wanted to hang out with us. We said, there's an initiation. Do y'all know what a mulberry tree is? A mulberry tree goes berries about the size of your thumb, and you can paint the wall purple with them, and you'll have to use kills to cover it. You should have seen 
his platinum blonde hair won't be right there with you. And you should have heard the phone calls that came to our parents when he got home. <laughs> Buddy, I got in so much trouble. See, y'all thought I loved Jesus all my life. I didn't. I haven't. I mean, he changed me. I was one of those guys. And so we recognize. I remember reading this because I, being a person that goes in the woods all the time, I, 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 would, I can remember on the branches the little reeds that would grow, and I can remember one of the things about a reed is it was so tall and strong looking, and, but when it broke, you couldn't get it to stand back up. There's no recovering it. When the reed broke, when it snapped, there was no getting back. And even a green one, once it bent, it, could, it couldn't be set back to it was up straight. This verse in Matthew 12, 20 says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Is there anything more frail than a reed? Because once it's touched and it snaps, it's, it's done. Is there, is there anything more frail? I mean, it, it was tall and strong, looked great, and then all of a sudden, a word comes. It's an action comes. Um, maybe it was a harsh word from a parent or from a a, a, a relative. Maybe 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 it was a friend's anger. Maybe it was a spouse's betrayal. Maybe it was your maybe it was your own failure. And he says, "I won't break that. I'm not just going to snap that off and throw it away." Then he makes this statement. He says here, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Is there anything closer to death than a smoldering wick? You've done it. You've got candles. Candles are a big thing nowadays. Debbie likes to light candles. And I see aroma. I love blowing them out. And watching the wick go from red hot, and then it'll change, and it'll change, and it'll change. Once a flame, it's now flickering and failing. It's still warm, it's just not hot anymore, it's not on fire. N not yet cold, but far from hot, far from flame. How long ago was it when you blazed in faith? That's what he's talking about, honey. How long ago was it that there was a fire in you? Because he says right here that he's not, he, he, he says right there that the smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. Look, we may be in a place today where we're hurting. You're wounded. You're broken. You've bent. You're no longer ablaze with faith. But what you need is to just get your eyes on Jesus again this morning. Whether you're far from God or you're a servant and following Jesus, all of us just need to get a new glimpse of what he's done for us. We just need to see him again. Just see, what am I looking for? What am I looking for? Brother David, what are we looking for? What do we need to see when we see him? You need to see his grace. 
You need just a little glimpse of his grace. John 1.14 makes this statement, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he be, we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Don't look for his truth this morning. The truth is what is, what is working and pulling on. Look for his grace. Try to see the grace in him. In, in the Greek, when this was written, grace actually was sort of a, a connotation of graciousness or favor, but, but the more it evolved in that culture, it became an actual expression, an actual gift. It became something that was given. So literally, when you read this, what it's saying is, it means grace happens. It's an act. It's something that's done. It's performed. It's, it's, it's offered. It's there. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved. If you're following Jesus, then you need to remind yourself that you are where you are, not because of merit, not because of favor, but because of grace. If you're far from God today and you haven't ever surrendered to him, you need to, you need to look and see his grace. You who might deserve something, you who might be hopeless and helpless, there's something been done for you. All you have to do is receive it. It's a gift from God. No matter what you've done, no matter the depth of transgressions, no matter the darkness of your heart, grace can take care of all that. Amen. Let me close. Grace, let me tell you what grace is. Grace is shocking. How many of y'all ever seen it? Lord have mercy. I went somewhere Friday. We were on our way back. Three wrecks on the interstate. But it's still interesting, isn't it? I mean, really and truly, let's just get that out. Let's just go ahead and make that confession. What happens? Why does traffic slow down? Rubbernecking. Isn't that what they call it? We, the accident happens. People going by, they slow down. They want to see. I want to hear. I want to. <laughs> y'all got some folks y'all know that you've been rubbernecking. Because you've seen them return good for evil and you've gone by and thought, what was that? Where did that come from? They're not, they, but they found Jesus. And it's changed them. It's changed them from the inside out. And, and it's like an accident, Grace is. It's sort, of, it's sort of shocking. We come up on it and we see it in somebody and we go, whoa, what was that? We, we sort of rubberneck, try to figure out why they did that. We don't want to, whoa, let's not credit God for that. They're, you know who they are. <laughs> I know who they are. I know who he is. Amen? And so that's what we're talking about right here. It's that burst of light. Boy, hey, you go to the movies. Oh, gosh, I'm on the movies today, and please don't go share this with my fellowship. Anyway, just kidding. You can go to the movies. You go to the movies, and you go in, and you've been in this dark room for two and a half hours because there was 45 minutes of commercials on the front side. And somebody told you there was a little clip at the end of it that you ought to hang around watching. It was 15 minutes to get to it. And all of a sudden it's over and they, they, you get up, you follow the little dotted lines out, and you go out and you go out through the room, there's real deal in it, and then you walk outside and you just can't believe it's so bright outside. It's like turning the lights on in a dark room with people who forgot what the light was like. It's shocking. Your pupils go, phew, phew. They're trying to figure it out. And you just, I, 
it renounces, grace renounces the entire conventional wisdom of social behavior. Because we have this social behavior, this conventional wisdom about how we're supposed to behave with one another. And grace sort of throws that out because all of a sudden people who we expect aren't going to be good are good. And they're beyond good. They're vulnerable. They're, they're willing to take the worst to love someone. Like Paul. I found, I found grace in his presence. Paul was knocked off his saddle. I was knocked to my knees. I'll never forget coming into contact with the message again, returning. I'd been raised in church. I'd surrendered to him young. I'd served him for years, and I, I've told my story. But I remember whenever I got in that spot, that horrible spot I was in, and all of a sudden I just knew the only thing I knew to do was to call out. I had a choice. I had a choice. And I chose that day, that moment, to say, Lord, if you'll, if you'll just hear my prayer, and get me out of this place I'm in. I'll do whatever you want me to do. How many of y'all prayed that prayer before? Amen. <laughs> it knocked me to my knees. Paul had his preconceived ideas about this idea of religion and Judaism and Jesus. And, and, and I, had my, I had my assumptions. It toppled all those things just like it did with Paul. I, it, it, it. It took away, the, the grace took away my guilt and my shame. Come on, somebody. Grace changes us. It changes us. It's designed to transform us. It changed me. The person I become, Paul, matter of fact, here's your, here's your stat in the scriptures. Of the 155 references in the New Testament to grace, Paul wrote 130 of them. Paul found grace. He discovered it to be what it was, and he couldn't talk or write or say anything about anything without mentioning grace. And he's inviting you and I to receive his grace. That's where you are this morning. That's where you are today. In a place of receiving. No matter where you are, that's where you are. No matter where you feel you find yourself, that's where you are. God's grace is available. He'll take your pain, give you peace in his place. What's the cost? Well, there's got to be a cost to it, Brother Dave. There is a cost. There is a cost. you got to become vulnerable. Father, we just bow in your presence. Lord, I know there are people in this room today. They're struggling in their relationship with you. They're, they're trying to decide if they're close enough. Isn't this close enough, Lord? Isn't it okay for me to be out at this distance? You still love me. You still accept me. It's not, it's not a matter of how close you can get to the border. It's how, close, how, how deep you can get into the relationship. Stop looking at your distance from what you shouldn't do and start trying to set your eyes on him. Turn your eyes towards Jesus. Turn your eyes towards Jesus and see the grace that's here. Father, we look for grace today. 
We look for grace because we want to be a people who say, I can do that. We want to be a people that the enemy is not holding our past over our head. We want to be a people who have a freedom to express the love that is shocking because of the grace that we've received. We want to be a people who truly, truly have fallen in love with you. Maybe again for the first time. Maybe, maybe it's a start over. Maybe it's a do over. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a returning for some. Maybe it's a first time for others. We know it all begins in a position of vulnerability. We know it begins with us bowing our knee and confessing our mouth, bowing and surrendering our heart before you. The bowed knee is just a visible expression of something that's deep down happening in us. So search us even this morning. Search us right now. And if anyone is in this place this morning that needs grace, that needs to come back to you, that needs to draw close to you, to feel your power and your presence again, to be restored in relationship, or maybe for the first time to have relationship, to find you to be the God of all grace, the lover of our souls. God, I just pray that you would, that you would draw close to them this morning, that you would remind them of who you are and that today it'd be a choice that they make to find their place in your presence and that's what we need Lord we need to be in your presence we need to find our place in your presence blessing Hey, if that's you this morning, if you're here and you need prayer and you need to get closer to God, I know everybody's head's bowed. I'm just going to ask you to stand with me across the audience and across the sanctuary. If you're online, everyone stand. If you're, on, if you're online, I just ask you this question as I'm going to ask those who are here. If you're here this morning, if you're listening online and you just need to draw closer to God, you, you, you feel like maybe... Maybe you're wondering, where's God? Where's God when I'm hurting? Well, this morning we've answered that. He's in his actions. He's in what he's shown you. He's in your, he's in your, he's in your midst this morning. He wants to touch you. He wants to put grace on, in you, pour grace out on you, cleanse and forgive, make whole, make new, heal, deliver. He wants to do all that. But it's a choice that you make. It's a choice that we make. I have to make that choice. You have to make that choice. If you need to choose grace this morning by choosing to be vulnerable and yielding your life before him and surrendering whatever it is that you're wrestling with, I want to invite you to come to this altar. just want you to walk up here and stand across. We're just going to pray a prayer, a quick prayer. I'll come through and pray with you. If you're here and you need grace, you need God to touch an area of your life, this morning is the morning to do it. Right now, God's calling to you. Right now, God's calling to you. Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves in your presence. Holy Spirit.
We're going to wait for a minute because I know this, hey, I've already told y'all, following Christ, this is the challenge. It's the vulnerability. That's the hard part, being vulnerable. It's the hard part. It's the hardest part in, in, in saying openly, I need God to do something in me, for me, through me. I need God. Anyone else? That's you. You need to come. Look, I don't... I. I believe there's a young person in this room today that needs to come. I believe there's someone in our midst, one of our young people, that needs to be in this altar. I just felt that in my spirit as I was praying earlier and as I was preaching. I just feel like someone's here and you need to come. You need to move to this altar right now. God's speaking to you. He's talking about you. He's talking to you. I want you to come. I want you to come and just surrender to him. Make room for him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who else? Who else? You need to come. You need to come. It's not limited to one. There may be another young person. If you're here, don't let the person next to you keep you from coming. Don't let the people in the audience keep you from coming. You come because he sees you and he's talking to you this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Spirit of the living God. If you see somebody up here that you'd come and you'd stand with and stand behind them and pray with them, I want to invite you to come. Anyone here that's a part of our church that would stand in and join with these. Come on. Come on, all. Come on. Come on. Stand with them. Stand with them in agreement. Stand with them believing that God is going to pour his grace out on them. Stand with them in belief that God sees them and he hasn't turned his back on them. And yet your presence and your hand on their back and your, your standing alongside of them is a reminder to them that God knows them and feels their pain and wants to bear that pain for them, wants to come and to come alongside them and be before them and behind them and show them his strength. In the name of Jesus. Anyone else, if you're, if you're watching online and you, God's talking to you, get on your knee right now. Right now, get on your knee in his presence and just say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you to speak to me. I yield my life before you. I bow in your presence now. I surrender my will to your will now in the name of Jesus.
Praise God. Hey, do me a favor and just turn around and look back at somebody and say, oh, I didn't know you were here. <laughs> All right, love one another.